God has a deep work to do in us tonight. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Look at your neighbor and say, you were made for love. Look at the neighbor on the other side and say, you were made for love. Look back at your first neighbor and say, you were made for love, not lust. You were not created for lust. You were created for love, and if there's one thing that cuts you off from the experience of the love of God, it is lust. And I had to jump up here because we're singing this song, Take Me to this, That Place, That Place Where I Can Be With You, That Place Where, where You Love Me, where, where I'm Changed in Your Love. And God is saying tonight, I want to take you to that place, but I'm not going to take you and your lust. Open your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 4. I want you to know that this is a gracious word from the Lord tonight. And I want you to know it's for everybody here. James chapter 4 verse 1, are you there? Amen. This is what it says. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Another translation says that you may spend it on your lusts. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. I want to focus in for a moment on verse 3 here. Chapter 4, verse 3. James says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. You missed when you asked. You ask and do not receive because you ask for the wrong reasons. That is, you ask in order to spend it on your desires. You ask for selfish reasons. You ask in order to spend it on your lusts. And lust prevents God from answering our prayers. 
When God sees that there's lust in our hearts when we ask Him for anything, even though everything in Him wants to respond immediately and answer our prayers, He holds back. He says, not yet. You say, God, why is it that I've asked you and asked you and asked you for that? Why is it that I've cried out and cried out and cried out? Why is it that you haven't answered my prayer? And tonight, for some of us, God is saying, it's because you will not surrender the lust in your heart. You're asking for the wrong reason. You're waiting to receive it so that you can spend it on your lust. The Bible teaches us that lust causes corruption and decay. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says that through God's promises, we participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. If there's any corruption in the world, that corruption is in the world through lust. It is lustful desires that come from the flesh that brings about corruption or decay in the world. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22, Paul says, You were taught concerning your former way of life that you put off your old man, which grows corrupt according to its deceitful lust and that you be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new man who is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's been said, Lord Acton said it in the late 1800s, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I'm here to tell you that that's absolute foolishness. Because if that were true, then God would be the most corrupt being in the universe. Why is God able to weld power and not be corrupt? Matter of fact, God is able to weld absolute power and not be corrupt. And I'll tell you why. Because He welds it without lust. It is lust that corrupts. And absolute lust corrupts absolutely. But there's been this myth in the body of Christ that sons and daughters of the Most High God can fool around with lust and still be okay. We think we can touch the fire and not be burned. James said earlier in chapter 1 that when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is perfect, that word perfect, mature, finished, when sin is perfect, it kills whatever's carrying it. It brings forth death. Lust prevents God from answering our prayers. And God will not allow us to corrupt anything else. God has simply come to the place where He's not about to release anything else for us to corrupt and decay. And so we pray and everything in him wants to give it to us, but he says, not yet, because you're going to corrupt that. You wonder why God won't give you a wife? Lord, I need more money. Lord, I need some more friends. Lord, I need a job. And God is saying, you've corrupted enough stuff. Stay with me tonight. I know this isn't a normal kind of message for me. You're used to, I find no fault in you. <laughs> no, you are free. It's different, isn't it? Stick with me. I love you the same way I did a couple weeks ago. <laughs> God is saying something here. 
Freedom from lust is the hallmark of the sons of God. The title of this message tonight is Life Without Lust. Life Without Lust. That's the vision that I want to set before your eyes. Life Without Lust. See, we've been taught for so long that lust is just a part of life and it's something we battle but never overcome. It's a fight that we fight but we never win. And, you know, failure is not in how many times you fall, it's just that you get back up. And so what our, our vision for life is that the life of faith is that we fall every day, but we get back up. And then we fall again, but we get back up. And we fall again, but we get back up. And I want to set something before you, a vision before your eyes tonight, and that vision is defined as life without lust. What I'm saying to you tonight is that the Spirit of the Lord is able to bring us to such a place of freedom that we no longer walk in lust. And that if we find ourselves inadvertently, accidentally there, the Spirit wakens us up and we come out of it. But we never intentionally go there. Most of the time when believers are talking about struggling with some kind of lust, it's intentional. I made a decision. I'm not talking about waking up and realizing, oh, wow, there's an area of lust. I'm talking about every day making a decision. And we think it's okay to struggle that way. And we have this thing we call accountability. It's nothing more than lust management. And we think our lust is okay because we told somebody else about it, but we didn't forsake it. Are you hearing me tonight? Do you know I still love you tonight? Listen, freedom from lust is basic to spiritual sonship. It's basic. It's basic. In Romans chapter 8, verse 19 through 21, Paul tells us that the creation eagerly is waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. Creation can't wait to see the sons of God being revealed. Why? Because like the sons of God, it wants to enter into the glorious liberty that frees it from corruption. It says it wants to escape its bondage to corruption and enter into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Meaning the creation itself wants to be free the way the children of God are free. Meaning without lust. Lust brings corruption. Creation is in bondage to corruption because people are lusting. The problem is, the sons of God are not being revealed because they're just as bound to corruption as the creation is. You were made for love, not lust. Wherever there's corruption or decay, there's always lust behind it. Always. Is there corruption in your marriage? There's lust behind it. Do your relationships always go bad? Let me tell you what the problem is. Lust. Do your finances always go out of whack? Let me tell you what the problem is. Lust. The issue between you and God is lust. Wherever there is corruption or decay, there's lust. What is lust? Lust is inordinate desire. It's desire for anything that is outside of the will of God and thus disconnected from God's good pleasure. I'm going to say that again. I've been 
I've been told that I dropped Revelation too fast and y'all can't catch it. One more again. Lust is any desire for anything that is outside of the will of God and thus disconnected for God, from God's good pleasure. Any desire for anything that is outside of the will of God and thus disconnected from God's good pleasure is lust. What does that mean? God created you for his good pleasure. When we're talking about the will of God, we're talking about God's good pleasure. When we're talking about the love of God, we're talking about God's good pleasure. Anything outside of his good pleasure is lust. It means his good pleasure is when he is able to enjoy his good creation through the enjoyment of man. Did you catch that? I want to make sure you got that one. When, when you enjoy something with God, it's called love. When you enjoy something in isolation from God, it's called lust. When you say, God, I'm going to enjoy this by myself, forget you, it's lust. Did you know that a husband can lust for his wife? Do you know that? I didn't know that until Saturday. Or Friday night. And the Lord showed me that the problem was I had been lusting after my wife. And Jesus said that if a man looks at a woman lustfully, he's already committed adultery with her. Adultery is any kind of intimacy that is unfaithful to God's created design. Stay with me tonight. You with me? Any kind of intimacy that is disconnected from God's created design is adultery. It's uh, anything that is unfaithful, relationally unfaithful to God's design is adultery. And I can desire my wife in such a way that is unfaithful to God's created design for her life and I have committed adultery against my wife with her. Because I have enjoyed her in a way that cuts her off from God's good pleasure. Meaning God cannot take pleasure in the way that I am taking pleasure in my wife. It's a pleasure that is disconnected. Are you hearing me tonight? I know you're processing it. But I want to make sure you get it. Because this word has set me free. I'm giving it to you because God hit me all up in the head with it. And I spent Saturday morning on my knees repenting before God for lust that I didn't even know I had. Stuff that I didn't even know was in the way. It was in the way of intimacy with my wife. It was in the way of intimacy with God. It was in the way of answer to prayers in my life and answer to prayers over your life because I was lusting where I didn't know I was lusting. And in some places where I knew it. First John chapter 2, verse 15. John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, get this, the love of the Father is not in him. He says, Just in case you don't understand what I mean by the love of the world, let me explain it. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh is the desire for flesh. When you look at the flesh of another person and want it, that is the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes is the desire for eyes. When you want the eyes of others to be upon you, that's the lust of the eyes. When you're lusting to be seen, yes, and the pride of life is the presupposition that I've got plenty of time to get free from the first two because God's not really tripping. And nobody's promised me tomorrow. And he said, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And the world is passing away. That is, when I operate in lust, I connect myself to this system that is decaying, that is dying, that is corrupting, and that is passing away. And if I stay in it, I'll pass away with it. That's why powerful ministries go down. Powerful men and women of God are taken under. Why? Because they connected themselves to a system that is designed to decay and die. And if I stay connected to that system, I die with it. But James says, but he who does the will of the Father, and remember the will of the Father is identical to the love of the Father, which is identical to his good pleasure. He who remains connected to the good pleasure of the Father by making sure that he never engages in enjoyment and isolation. He abides forever. Lust is enjoyment in isolation. Anytime I enjoy anything that God is not enjoying with me, I'm engaging in lust. Enjoyment and isolation. It's interesting to me that John says in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, Love not the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, and the world is passing away. And then he gets to chapter 3, verse 1, and he says, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called sons of God. He removes lust in chapter 2, and then in chapter 3 he says, Behold the love of God. You know why he didn't say behold before he dealt with lust? Because if lust is in the way, you cannot even behold what manner of love the Father has given to us. You can't see it. You've cut yourself off from it. The love of the world expels the love of the Father so that I am cut off experientially from the love of the Father because I've embraced the love of the world. And once he gets that out of the way in chapter 2, then he goes to chapter 3 and says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished on us. You know, I had this powerful experience Saturday morning where I came before the Lord and I was reading James 4. And he said, wail and weep and mourn and turn your laughter into mourning and your, your dancing into, into gloom. It's like, what is this, a gloom and doom sermon, right? So I did. Man, I repented before the Lord in tears. I said, Lord, would you take all lust from me? And you know what happened? I felt like a surgical work of the Spirit of God come and just begin to remove stuff. Stuff just began to break off of my heart. And all of a sudden, the love of the Father poured in. 
and I wept for the rest of the day. But it was no longer mourning. It was joy. Why? The love of the Father came. The love of the Father. You know why God wants us to get lust out of the way? Because He wants to fill us with His love and that lust is in the way. He wants to lavish us. You know, the Father has lavished us with His love, but just like I said, there's an ocean of grace, but a puddle of faith. There's an ocean of love, but there's also an ocean of lust. And that ocean of lust keeps us outside of the ocean of love. And God wants to bring us into the ocean of His love, but He says, if you're going to come into my love, you've got to give up that lust. You've got to bring it to me and let me take it from you. The reason we don't bring it to Him and let Him take it from us is because we just don't believe He will. That's the problem. We just don't believe. We, we, have been in, we have been indoctrinated with the idea that lust will follow you all the days of your life. And you'll dwell in the house of sin forever. I mean, that, we believe that. We, we, we just, our faith is not in goodness and mercy following us. Our faith is in lust and temptation following us. Surely lust and temptation will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of oppression forever. If we would get a vision for life without lust and actually believe it, you know why people go to the gym and work out you know, four, five, six times a week and start eating better? Because they actually get a vision that their life can change. I don't have to be overweight. I don't have to have a heart attack and die at a young age. I don't have to have high blood pressure. I can beat it if I would just get my lazy behind onto a treadmill and start eating some salads instead of chitlins for a change. Are you hearing me? It's vision. I can see it. I believe it. I know it's there. I know it's real. And so I'm going to reach for it. We don't even reach for life without lust because we can't even see it. We don't even believe it's possible. Why? Because we're human and we're flesh and blood. So was Jesus. But he was sinless flesh and sinless blood. John says we've seen it with our eyes. Our hands have handled it. We know it's possible. We saw it. He was manifested. He dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. He was full of grace and truth, not of lust and temptation. I'm telling you that there is an availability of grace tonight to set us free from every power of lust and temptation. But we got to get serious about it. We got to get serious about it. We got to get serious about it. For some of us, God is saying, This is the last thing that I'm trying to remove from your life. Some of us, God has been preparing for stuff for years, and we wonder why that there's a hindrance. And God says, I can't let you into that next season yet. Why? Because you'll corrupt it with lust. But now I'm going to be gracious and wait and give you time to remove this from your life. And here's, here's the scary part if we don't deal with it when God gives us an opportunity to deal with it, this is the scary part. The time comes and he says, I'm going to release you into that new season anyway and give you what your heart desires. Psalm 106. In Psalm 106 verse 13, it talks about the children of Israel in the wilderness. And it says, they forgot his works. They refused to wait for his counsel. 
Instead, they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness. And it says in the next verse, and he answered their request. That's scary. That God can give me time to deal with it and say, get out of that. And if I don't take that opportunity to come out of what he's pulling me out of, he says, the time is going to come when I'm going to give you a request, and that's the scariest day of all. And it says, he answered their request, but sent leanness to their soul. Meaning that when God answered their request, when they were walking in lust, he made sure that even after he answered their request, it didn't satisfy them. I've seen so many great men of God who were hungering for a place of prominence in the body of Christ and they got there and it didn't satisfy them. I've seen so many men hungering for a wife and when they got one, she didn't satisfy him. So many women hungering for a husband and when she got one, he didn't satisfy her. People hungry for money and when they got it, it didn't satisfy them. People hungering for a better job or a bigger house and when they got it, it didn't satisfy them. Why? Because they were lusting exceedingly in the wilderness. They got to the wilderness place where they were cut off from the desires of their heart. They would seem to be cut off even from divine provision. And instead of waiting on the Lord in the wilderness and being faithful, instead of being like Jesus, who wasn't lusting in the wilderness, but was simply meditating on the Word of God in the wilderness, saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lust. So that when Satan came to tempt him with the bread, there was no lust in him to go after that temptation. He said, I don't live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I might be in the wilderness and I don't have bread, but I've got the word of the living God and it abides forever. You see? He answered their request, but sent them leanness of soul. Lust is an affront to the goodness of God and an expression of unbelief because in order to lust after anything, I have to believe that God hasn't given me enough. When David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, what he meant is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lust. What he's given me is enough. I shall not lust. And if I need more, he already knows I need more and he's already made a plan to provide it. I shall not lust. I'm not going to lust. I'm not going to reach for anything and enjoy it in isolation from God. I shall not lust. I'm not going to accuse him of not providing something for me. Instead, I'm going to enjoy what he's given me. And I'm not going to enjoy it in isolation from him, but I'm going to enjoy it with him. I shall not lust. Why? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lust. You've got to get this in your head. I don't care if you're single or married. Single people, we've you. Single people have used singleness as an excuse for lust, for harboring lust in their hearts. And single people think, well, I'm just, you know, when I get married, it'll solve this dilemma. Let me let you in on a little secret. Getting married doesn't solve a lust problem. In fact, getting married can make it worse. I'll never forget getting married to my wife and coming to bed and she had a headache. It was hard enough laying, going to sleep at night by myself as a single man. Now I'm going to sleep next to a half-naked 
beautiful woman who's got a headache. What's harder? Are you hearing me tonight? I'm going to keep it real. You've got to deal with it. it I, there is no excuse for walking in lust. It doesn't matter what your situation is. And we think, well, the Lord didn't give me this, or the Lord didn't give me that. It's an affront to the goodness of God. What you're saying is, Lord, you're not my shepherd. You're not my provider. You have not given me all I need according to your riches and glory. It's an affront to the goodness of God. And it's unbelief. Lust is ungratefulness and a failure of thanksgiving. And there's three basic types of lust. There's experiential lust, which is an inordinate desire for pleasure, pleasurable experiences. And there's both a carnal and spiritual form of it. And both of them are lust and not love. There are people, for instance, who lust after sexual experiences. There are people who lust after spiritual experiences. I lust to experience something at the altar, but I'm, a, I'm not actually loving God. I'm just lusting after a pleasurable experience that may come from his presence. And we've seen that in the Pentecostal charismatic world that it comes to the point where people don't even care if the Holy Spirit is involved or not. I'm still going to fall. The Holy Spirit stopped laying people out six months ago, but I'm still falling. Why? Because I just love the experience, and so now I'm going to enjoy it without him. And it's just as carnal as looking at porn. There's experiential lust. There's also emotional lust. Emotional lust is inordinate desire or affirmation or approval or honor or acceptance or fame. Emotional lust is when I walk around with an inordinate desire for the approval of people. I'm lusting after you to tell me I look nice and I, I sound good. And, and I'm lusting after you to look at me and smile. And I'm lusting after it's emotional lust. And I think I'm okay because I'm not thinking about having sex with you. I think I'm okay because I'm not undressing you with my eyes. But instead, I'm just lusting after your approval, and it's an affront to the goodness of God because in order to do that, I have to stop believing that God has accepted me and that God has loved me. And there's, once again, a, both a carnal and a spiritual application of that. The carnal application of that is when I'm lusting after the emotional uh, uh, resources of people. The spiritual application is when I'm lusting after the, 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 uh, some type of emotional experience from God. God, why can't you show me that you love me? Why can't you accept me? Well, in order to go there, I have to deny the cross. You want proof that God loves you? Look at the cross. It comes out of unbelief. God doesn't have to prove that he loves any of us. He's already done it. If he does nothing else, he's done, what he's done is sufficient to prove that he loves us with an everlasting love. 
And then there's material lust. It's lust for money or possessions or clothing or houses or cars or any other material things. Lusting. You know there's a spiritual version of that? Uh, I know because we got this little building. And there's a part of me that just lusts after a bigger building. You know, somebody wrote that pastors looking through magazines of other churches, of big churches, you know, looking at big ornate church buildings, it's like preacher pornography. <laughs> Ooh, look at that pulpit. Oh, my goodness, look at the chairs in that place. Ooh, look at the carpet in that place. Look at the, you know, there's a temptation. The devil will try to get us to think that we can spiritualize things that are as evil and carnal and ungodly If it flows out of unbelief, it's lust. If God isn't looking through it with me and delighting in it with me, it's lust. If I'm enjoying something in isolation from God, it's lust. But what God wants is to enjoy his good creation with his sons and daughters, through his sons and daughters, so that when I enjoy you, you feel God enjoying you through me. Now here's the thing. Lust cuts things off from their created purpose, but love connects things to their created purpose. When I begin to truly love you, you'll feel reconnected to your created purpose. That's how I know if I'm loving my wife or lusting after her. Because if I'm lusting after her, she'll feel dirty and she won't know why. And she won't even have the words to explain why she feels dirty. But if I'm loving her, she'll feel full and not know why. She won't even have the words to explain why she feels so accepted by God and so loved by God and so privileged and honored by God. How I treat the people around me and how they feel in my presence in large part is a measure of whether I'm enjoying people with God or without Him. Love causes things to flourish. Lust causes things to decay. Love reconnects things to their created purpose. Lust disconnects them from their created purpose. In 1 Peter chapter 1, there somewhere towards the end, something like 20 or 21, Peter says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for the brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. And listen to this. Having been born again, not of corruptible, but incorruptible seed, through the living and enduring word of God. Remember we said lust causes corruption. The word of God is incorruptible because it is not susceptible to lust. And it does not lust. It says you've been born again of that incorruptible seed of the word of God. And because that seed of the word of God is incorruptible, it is not susceptible to lust. If you connect with that seed that's already in you through the word of God, you find that you can't lust either. John says, he who was born of God does not sin because the seed of God remains in him. The problem is we get so disconnected from the seed when we get disconnected from the word. That's why David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Why? Because somehow David found that if I meditate on the word and stay connected in the word and fill my heart with the word and fill my mind with the word and fill my mouth with the word, somehow I can't do the things that I used to be able to do. I'm not even capable of it. It's not about fighting lust. It's about embracing love. 
It's not about fighting inordinate desire. It's about embracing ordinate desire. It's not about fighting that which is in disorder. It's about embracing that which is in order. And what is in order is the word of God. And the word of God has the power to put to death the lust of the flesh by the spirit of the living God. Paul said, if you by the spirit put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You'll live. Tonight I sense there's a divine invitation. God is inviting us to come to a higher place in his love. But he's simply saying, bring me your lust. Bring it to me. Confess it. Call it out. And say, God, take it away. Remove it. Remove it. Remove it. And believe him to remove it. Don't just grovel, grovel in unbelief. There's so much groveling that's unbelieving. Oh, God, forgive me. Oh, but you're not believing that he's forgiving you. Oh, God, take it away. Oh, God, take it. But you don't believe that it's taken away. Yes, cry, but then get up and believe it's done. Yes, repent, but get up and believe you're clean. You hearing me tonight? God wants to remove some stuff from us tonight. He wants to take us deeper into his love. But he's going to do so. By taking us out of the realm of lust. Out of it. Out of it. Out of it. I want the worship team to come back. We're just going to begin to worship. I want you to do that song again. Take me to that place, Lord. Hmm. Actually, do this, uh, whatever. Show me your glory here in your presence. Yeah, do those two. worship. I want to turn the lights down again. I want us all to stand in the presence of God. Now we're worshiping with purpose. Because you know what worship is? Worship is an offering of ourselves to God. If we don't know what we're offering, our worship is aimless. So I'm just worship, I'm offering words to God. Well, God doesn't want words. He wants more than words. The prophet said, rend your heart, not your garment. Father, tonight, we come to rend our hearts. Take it away. We confess that we have lusted. We have lusted. We've lusted in the wilderness. We haven't waited for your counsel. And we've forgotten your wonders. But Father, you're gracious tonight. You're gracious. You give more grace. The scripture says that you give grace to the humble. So Father, tonight I pray in the name of Jesus that you would free us. Tonight we come confessing, we come repenting, and we come believing. As we worship God, would you strip us of the garment of lust? Take it from us. God, some of us have been lusting for so long and in so many different ways, we don't know how. It's even hard to envision life without lust. But God, tonight I declare that your word will not return to you void, but it will accomplish what you send it to accomplish. Tonight I declare that the power of lust is being broken from over our lives and you're taking us deeper into your love. Do it right now, Holy Spirit. Do it right now, Holy Spirit. Do it right now. Just sweep through this auditorium. Strip away, strip away. Strip away the filthy garments. Strip away the filthy garments and clothe us in white. Clothe us in white. Come on, just begin to reach for it. Just begin to reach for it.